So, Matt, what would bears be without the bees? Ah, uh, uh, hmm. I don't know what ears. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but I thought, no, this is gonna be better than that. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I, was, I was wrong. Yep, you're wrong. It's a bad one. They just get worse and worse. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Nah. Pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Hey, I'm good. Hey, listen, I got a better bear joke for you. All right, what you got? Okay, so why did God uh, only make one Yogi Bear? I don't know. Because the second time he made a boo boo. Ah, <laughs> I like it. That was better than mine. <laughs> Told you. Hey, boo boo, it's man, a picnic basket for two. Man, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, working a new setup tonight for the graveyard east. So, uh, it's it's a work in progress. So if I sound yep. a little different tonight, I apologize. I, <laughs> I shouldn't. Um, but it's probably going to be because I'm standing. I'm standing up. Because yeah. I, 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 I have an elevated workstation now, and uh, I don't have my stool yet. So, <laughs> and the chair I was going to use turned out to be too short. So, uh, so I'm standing up. So that that old uh, thing we said it was like two two guys at a bar. It's really like uh, one guy at a bar and another one sitting down staring at him, wondering why he's standing up. So, <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so. Let's before we get into it, let's do a little uh, housekeeping here. Um, Want to tell you guys about Podbelly Network. Again, we are new members of the Podbelly Network. Go to podbelly.com to check them out. And they've got all sorts of resources for if you're deciding to start a podcast, you know, what kind of mic to use and recording software and, you know, social media branding and publishing and all that. So go check them out. Um, you can also find a lot of podcasts from a lot of different genres on there, not just the, you know, kind of creepy genre like us, but Hillbilly Horror Stories is on there. Just the worst podcast, Lost Boys of Hannibal and the Sofa King podcast are all part of the Podbelly Network and a lot more. So go check them out. We really think you'll like them and we're enjoying being part of the Podbelly network absolutely so uh yeah check these guys out i think you're gonna find something you like uh but again do it after you listen to graveyard tales <laughs> right exactly wait till you know wait until you're done with us then go check them out um also real quick we are dark next week um but we will have an episode up for black friday so that while you're doing your black friday shopping and everything you can still catch a graveyard tales episode so despite you know use next week since we're dark to go check out another show on the pod belly network and then meet us back in the graveyard black friday while you're doing your crazy early morning elbowing people in the face for a microwave thing yeah that's right i i won't be there no me either (laughs) 
Don't do Black Friday. No, I will be at home taking a nap. <laughs> In a turkey coma. In a tur- exactly. Um, also, uh, go rate and review us if you wouldn't mind on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It really helps bring us up in the charts and it helps people to find us easier and come into the graveyard because we're always trying to grow the graveyard just to make it better for you guys. So, Matt, that's enough of this housekeeping stuff and yeah, boring right. people to death. Yeah. Um, so tell us, what are we talking about tonight, Matt? Okay, tonight we're, we're going to be talking about Another one of these, one of the most haunted fill in the blank. <laughs> we got a lot of those. Everywhere is one of the most haunted. Um, <laughs> this place may or may not be one of the, if not the most haunted place in Ireland. And we're going to be talking about Loftus Hall. That's now, right. We're uh, back in Ireland. Yeah. Now, you know, you guys may have heard about. Loftus Hall. I know um, a few other people have done shows on this. Adam and I mm-hmm. decided that uh, we would go ahead and do this. We, we felt that it was uh, a cool enough place that we could put our own spin on it. You know, give you the the graveyard cliff notes version, and uh, yeah, exactly, and and still keep it interesting and and convey some of the the history. Uh, it's got an incredible legend that uh that comes with this and and some pretty interesting haunts that uh you know i i think are pretty amazing um but we're we're gonna we're gonna get into all that we're gonna get into all that (laughs) but we gotta we gotta start with the history as always so adam always tell us a little bit about the history of loftus hall all right so we got to talk about the Hook Peninsula first, where Loftus Hall sits. Now, this is coming directly from the Loftus Hall site. So if it's wrong, blame the Loftus Hall people. Yeah, it's blame, not us. blame the source. Yeah, blame the source, not us. Um, well, Hook Head is a headland in County Wexford, Ireland, located on the east side of the estuary of Three Sisters. They call it Three Sisters River. The and this is Irish, so I know it's going to be wrong, but I'll pronounce it the way I think my southern brain wants to pronounce it. Here we go. Um, and here we go. The Nor, the Sewer, and the Barrow. Um, it is part of the Hook Peninsula and is adjacent to the historic townland of Loftus Hall. So it's situated um, on the R734, which is 50 kilometers from wexford town now hookhead is said to have found its way into common english usage or vernacular as i like to say because i like to sound smart um in the (laughs) saying by hook or by crook um a a phrase that was derived from a vow made by oliver cromwell to take waterford by hook on the wexford side of the estuary or by crook a village on the west Westford side of the estuary. So it, a lot of people say by hook or by crook and don't know what it means. Well, there you go. That's what it means. So the recorded history of Loftus Hall and the land upon which it sits stretches back 800 years or so. Um, but locals say the significance of the site goes back thousands of years 
and was once sacred to the Druids. And we've mentioned the Druids before and some of the the power that their land has, but the Druids are high-ranking professional and religious class in ancient Celtic cultures. You know what I always think of when I hear the Druids? Hmm. Do you remember the, the there was a, a Scooby-Doo that had a tree monster in it? It, it was like this vaguely this yeah. weird like tree looking creature that had a face. The face may have been kind of green like leaves or moss. And mm-hmm. so whenever I hear the Druids, I always think of that. I don't know why. Not that <laughs> Druids were like tree people or something. But uh, yeah, I, I think in my head they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were kind of like, you know, and we'll have people tell us that, no, this is not at all what they are. But, you know, they were they were very into the the spirits of the land and, you know, the gods and goddesses of the land and everything. And so we in a Western culture took that to mean they were, you know, tree people and it got construed for many years, you know. Right. Don't take anything we say like that. For fact. <laughs> no, no. And yeah, don't take it for fact. And, you know, if we if we say something incorrectly, don't get mad. We're, you know, it's not we're not doing it on purpose, no. you know. Or maybe feel, we are. I don't maybe know. we are. It might be a joke. But feel free to, you know, politely comment and right. correct us. That's tongue, fine. Tongue planted firmly in cheek. Right. If I did that, I wouldn't be able to talk well. <laughs> so the story of Loftus Hall begins around 1170 AD when Raymond Redmond Fitzgerald, nicknamed Le Gros, which is the fat. I, I think <laughs> that's a terrible name. Yeah, I think that's one of the worst nicknames we've had on the show so far is the, the fat. The fat. He wasn't yep. just fat. He was the fat. Yeah, he wasn't a fat. He was the fat. That's right. And it's Mr. Fat to you. Yeah, exactly. Don't call me a fat. Call me Mr. Fat. So he landed at Bag and Bun Head in the Hook Peninsula in what is now County Wexford in Ireland. Now, it's a famous site in Irish history known as the place, quote, where Ireland was lost and won. And Raymond was among the first of a small band of Norman knights who played an active role in helping enforce Norman rule over Ireland. So he acquired land in the area um, on which he built a castle known as Houseland Castle. Now, over the years, it fell into disrepair. And in 1350, descendants of Raymond Le Gros built a new castle called the Hall or Redmond Hall. Now, Matt... Real quick, before we get finish the history here, let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back with the rest of this. Okay. Adam, every day in the U.S., hundreds of thousands of people have to make decisions about their health. Treating diseases, managing pain, you know, it can be pretty scary. And oh, yeah. Can, and it can be life-changing. But what happens if you're offered a supposed miracle cure, and you end up worse off than before? Now, if you listen to Wondery's Dr. Death, you heard about 33 patients in Texas who went in for surgery and had their lives forever changed by an incompetent doctor. Host and reporter Laura Beal broke that story wide open, and now she's reporting on another very important story 
stem cell therapy and a bad batch that gave a group of patients disastrous results. Now, there's a new podcast called Bad Batch, and it will investigate the multi-million dollar under-regulated industry of stem cell therapy where greed and desperation collide. Now, this is an industry that claims to treat pain, autoimmune diseases, infection, and even autism. But Bad Batch is a cautionary tale, and it's a very important listen. And I've listened to the show, Adam, and it is in some ways terrifying. Oh, yeah. Some of these people have gone through after putting their faith in what was termed a miracle cure. Now, you can subscribe to Bad Batch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Now, we're back. Let's finish the history here. So the hall remained with the Redmond family until the mid-1600s when the Irish Confederate Wars saw the castle repeatedly attacked and eventually seized as part of the Cromwellian confiscations. Now, you try to read that ten times fast, the Cromwellian confiscations. I did a fantastic job, if I do say so myself. Yeah, many props. Thank you. So what are the Cromwellian confiscations? Well, it's... Conquest of Ireland by English Parliament, which was led by Oliver Cromwell during the War of Three Kingdoms. So literally, Oliver Cromwell came in and confiscated a lot of land for the English Parliament. Hence, Cromwellian confiscations. Mm -hmm. Now, in one remarkable display of defense on July 20th, 1642, Alexander Redmond, who was 68 at the time, managed to protect the hall from around 90 English invaders with just the help of his two sons, some tenants, two soldiers, and a tailor. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I have to say he is a bad mamma jamma because oh, yeah. I'm 35 years old and could not imagine doing that. Yeah. I would, I'd give it up and go, you know what? Ha- have it. I'm tired, man. You imagine that conversation. What are you? I'm, I'm a tailor. <laughs> uh, okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, right. We can so, do this. We can do this. <laughs> how many soldiers do we have here? Uh, two. Oh, fantastic. We're screwed. <laughs> but he did a good job, apparently. So they staved off several more attacks, after which Alexander Redmond received favorable terms from Cromwell. Now, upon his death around 1651, Redmond's family were evicted from the hall and their home put up for auction. Now, in 1666, that's a weird day, 1666. Yeah. It's a very, very unique day. Right. And it's, um, it, it may bode, I don't know, bode not so well for this place in the future. I don't know. We shall see. But in 1666, Henry Loftus, originally from Yorkshire, England, acquired the confiscated lands and the mansion was renamed Loftus Hall. Now, over the decades and centuries that followed, the Loftus family rose in the peerage, producing barons, viscounts, earls, and marquises. And as they climbed the ladder of aristocracy, the illustrious family hoped they could entice Queen Victoria to visit. Now, with that goal in mind, John Henry Loftus, the fourth Marquis of Ely, embarked on an enormous 
renovation of the hall between 1870 and 1879, and he was wanting to make it grander and, and bigger and everything than it used to be. So although it is widely reported that Loftus Hall was completely demolished and rebuilt, there is evidence that much of the former hall was utilized and worked into the mansion, and you can still see that today. So whether or not parts of the old hall are still there, the land has seen a lot of stuff, a lot of violence and everything. And as we've talked before, lands like that hold energy and they're going to be, you know, probably reproducing that energy many, many years from that time. So there is a legend that's associated with Loftus Hall. So we need to discuss this legend because it plays kind of a vital role in the hauntings and and how people feel about the hall to this day. So it goes in the mid 1600s, Charles Tottenham married the honor, honorable Anne Loftus daughter of the first Viscount Loftus. And they had six children, four boys, two girls. Now, The two girls were Elizabeth and Anne, but his wife became ill and died while the girls were still young. So two years later, Tottenham married his cousin, Jane Cliff, and they lived together along with Anne in Loftus Hall. So one night um, while there was this big, powerful storm, a ship arrived at the Hook Peninsula and a young man made his way to Loftus Hall asking if he could take shelter there. Now, it was not uncommon for strangers to come knocking, as the rough waters of that area usually resulted in ships being grounded on the shore or actually shattered on the rocks there. So the man was invited in and ended up residing at the house for several weeks. Now, during this time, Anne, now a young woman, fell in love with the stranger and spent countless hours socializing with him in the tapestry room. Now, according to local legends, one evening Anne was playing cards with the stranger as well as other guests when she leaned down under the table to collect a card that she had dropped. She noticed at that point the stranger had cloven hooves instead of feet. So she screamed loudly, causing the stranger to expose himself as the devil. Now, he transformed into a ball of fire and shot up through the roof, leaving Anne in a state of trauma from which she never recovered. Anne's mental state deteriorated rapidly, and her family, embarrassed by her behavior, confined her to a room in the house. Now, when she remained in that room until her death around 1775. Now, it's said that from this time onwards, Loftus Hall became plagued by severe poltergeist activity, and the troubled Anne was never able to really live rest in peace because of what she had seen. Now, several Protestant clergymen were summoned by the family to put a stop to it, but none could rid the house of its evil forces. In their desperation, the family, themselves Protestant, called upon a Catholic priest who is a tenant on their estate, Father Thomas Broders, who was successful in cleansing the house of negative forces, apparently. So it is popularly reported that his gravestone contains the inscription, Here lies the body of Thomas Broders, who did good and prayed for all, and who banished the devil from Loftus Hall. 
Yeah, we're going to see about that. Yeah, I figured we would. That's not something you can just say and not <laughs> not have it come back up a little later. Yeah, exactly. So the building that exists today was heavily renovated like we talked about, um, but it was heavily renovated uh, again between 1872 and 1879 by the fourth Marquis of Erlie, John Wellington Graham Loftus. That's a long name in preparation for a visit from Her Majesty Queen Victoria. So the renovations to Loftus Hall were inspired by Osborne House, where Lady Jane Loftus spent a lot of her time with Queen Victoria. Now, unfortunately, the Queen's visit never happened, and the Loftus family were left with a massive debt following all of the works. Now, following his death without issue in 1889 and his mother's death one year later, the bankrupt estate was put up for sale. Now, in 1917, Loftus Hall was bought by the Benedictine Order of Nuns who resided at the hall for 18 years. It was then taken over and run by the Sisters of Providence as a school for girls interested in joining the order until the early 1980s. Now, in 1983, it was purchased by Michael Devereux, who reopened it as Loftus Hall Hotel, which was subsequently closed again in the early 1990s. Now, it was privately owned by Devereux's surviving family until late 2011, when it was sold to its current owners, the Quigley family from Bano. Now, the Quigley family have undertaken a huge commitment as the hall was in derelict state when it was purchased. So they have secured the structure and are taking massive strides to regenerate the walled gardens, the country yard, and the house to ensure the future of Loftus Hall for years to come. The current owner is Aiden Quigley. So it's... The old, hands. the old Quigley boys. Yep. So it has changed hands several times over yeah. the last few hundred years. Yeah, and you know, it's rumored that in between um, the Quigleys taking ownership that, that Bono from U2 actually owned it. Oh, really? There's, there's no real proof that that was true, but I, it kept coming up in the research that, hey, Bono may have owned this place. <laughs> I was like... Well, okay. That's all it said, you know. He did. Yeah, he probably just got drunk and passed out there one time, and <laughs> just big empty, you know, empty old relic, you know. Uh, you know. Well, you know, I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. You know, maybe he's trying to preserve preserve it. Doesn't want it to be known that he purchased it. Who knows? It's just I yeah. thought it was funny. Yeah, it's possible. I mean. It, or he could have at least donated some money to the cause, and sure. because of that donation, they say, oh, he bought it, when he probably didn't. Yeah. He's not running around with a deed to it. Right. You know, you can tell, especially from that legend, that Loftus Hall has got a, a pretty storied history, but, yeah, you know, over the over the centuries, you know, this, this legend kind of took on a life of its own. And even though, for the most part, it it seems like folklore, there's a lot of things that have spawned from that legend and a lot of things that people feel like happen even today in the house that is directly connected to that story. Now, depending on who you ask, 
you know, Loftus Hall is either the most haunted place in Ireland or it's just an enormous tourist trap. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's now geared towards, you know, visitors and families and everything. And you can, you can go and there's, it's almost like a, got a a theme park atmosphere to it. Right. Um, right. You know, they have parties and events and they, they want people to come out. So it's gotten kind of a reputation of maybe, maybe they're just capitalizing on the, on the legend and the history and, really pushing the paranormal aspect to get people to come. Now, if you look up reviews from visitors, they vary from tales of absolute terror with them swearing to never return to stories of a lame, uneventful tour and disappointment with them swearing to never return. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I've, I've seen the whole gambit, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a review that says, this experience was horrifying. You know, I'm never going back to this. This costs a fortune. And I, I couldn't. I was so disappointed that I traveled there. It's like, <laughs> OK, what? Well, somewhere yeah. in the middle is probably where we really are. Right. Um, exactly. Look at it like Yelp or Amazon reviews. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you got to weed out the worst and the best. My corn dog was old and stale. And yeah, right. I'm never coming back. But, you know, when you look at pictures of the hall, you really can't help but feel like if there's going to be a haunted place in Ireland, this is it. I mean, it just it has that feel to it. I mean, you know, it's not like one of these old castles. I mean, it it's just just, you look at it and you go, it looks like a haunted house. (laughs) Right. It does have that creepy weird dilapidated type vibe even though they've done a lot of work to it it's still got that weird i don't know how to say it not run down but like it feels heavy and and oh yeah weird and you know that is a that's a common statement by by people who have gone and either taken the tour taken the night tour um done a ghost hunt there which they promote and sponsor people will talk about that they're there is an energy there and and there is a, you know a, an Irish ghost hunting group that you know pretty much calls themselves the Irish Ghostbusters um mm-hmm. who talk about that that energy that you feel on the property um so it it does have that appeal to it that there's you you feel like there's something there and and over the years servants for the families have claimed to have seen you know, a dark, mysterious figure roaming the halls and causing disturbances, which we're going to kind of get into who that may or may not be. But sure, that's not just like Uncle Eddie or something. That's right. You know, he did he had too much cabbage at dinner tonight. And he's, <laughs> Man, this, uh, this this smells like a presence. I can feel the energy from it. <laughs> no, it's just Uncle Eddie. It's all right. But most obviously sleepwalking again. <laughs> people will say that it's the spirit of Ann Tottenham that is reportedly being seen and most commonly in the tapestry room and walking down the grand staircase. Now in, in 1790, the father of Reverend George Reed spent the night in the hall and he slept in the tapestry room. 
Now, he reported that after falling asleep, a dark entity jumped onto his bed, quote, growling like a hellhound. He said the curtains were flung open and the bedclothes were ripped away. And it's his belief he was the target of a terrible pr- prank. But it quickly changed when he noticed that the door was still locked just as he had left it. So he was fairly confident that one of the other people in the home hadn't come in to give him a nice little fright in the night. Yeah, that's a good sign. Now, other visitors to Loftus Hall reported locking their doors at night, yet feeling a heavy presence settle on their chest while they're in bed. And George Reed himself spent the night in the exact same room as his father, and he claimed to have seen a locked door physically open and the apparition of a beautiful young woman walk into the room across the floor and into a wardrobe. Now, as the story goes, Reed was pretty nonplussed. He was like, huh, you don't see that every day. Right. So the next night, the same thing happened again. But this time, the reverend ran towards the figure, attempting to wrap his arms around it. But to his surprise, according to Reverend uh, Reed, his arms passed right through it. Wild. Hmm. Yeah. So on another occasion, the, the Marquis of Ellie was staying in Loftus Hall and his personal valet, Shannon, was given the tapestry room for the night. Now, Shannon reported that during the night, again, the curtains around the four poster bed flew open and the ghostly image of a woman dressed in silk stood over him. Now, Shannon, he wasn't hanging around. (laughs) He took off, ran out of the room in terror to tell everybody what had just happened. And again, the servants, they believed, they all believed that the, the ghost of Lady Tottenham haunted that room. And, right. you know, there were there were several accounts of the servants not wishing to talk about it. You know, they said, look, we know she's in there. Just let it go. You know, we're yeah. not we're not going to discuss it. We're just going to understand that she's up there. We're down here. And that's how it goes. Hey, Graveyard Tales listeners like you. I'm a big fan of Adam and Matt's show. My name is Nicholas McGurr, and I'm an author. I use haunted locations as part of the inspiration for my fiction work. You can listen to my research investigations on my podcast called Stories in the Cemetery. I talk about the history, hauntings, and findings of locations in and around the Charleston, South Carolina area, one of the most haunted cities in America. From naval ships to hidden graveyards, I've worked with ghost hunting equipment and psychics to find the hidden stories that make these locations haunted. Just look for stories in a cemetery on your favorite podcatcher or visit nicholasmcgurr.com for details. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-M-C-G-I-R-R.com or look for stories in the cemetery on your favorite podcatcher. You know, as the legend went, Lady Anne had gone mad in her room after that devilish encounter and she remained by her window arms wrapped around her legs, rocking back and forth, waiting, frightened of the mysterious stranger's return. Now, it is said that her joints 
stiffened into that position. And when she died in 1775, she had to be buried that way. Oh, wow. Can you imagine that? You know, she's all curled up in a ball and they can't get her apart after she died. They have to to bury her that way. Holy cow. Yeah. So maybe this encounter that that Adam discussed in this legend, maybe it did drive her mad. Or or maybe Lady Anne was suffering from mental illness. Um, Others take the legend a step further, saying that Anne had become pregnant with this devilish stranger's child and was locked away by Charles Tottenham. Now, Anne subsequently died during childbirth, and this spawn of the devil was murdered. Okay? Hmm. All right. That's just the story, folks. You know, sounds horrifying, but that's just the story. But maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit of truth behind the folklore. I mean, we've all heard really great folklore stories. You know, those stories that have lasted for ages and ages. And a lot of times there's a little bit of truth behind the story. It's just kind of spun into its own thing over the years. But maybe a charming stranger's ship could have become stranded and it was not uncommon for strangers to seek shelter in a home, especially during a storm. And it wouldn't be out of the question that the lovely daughter of the home could fall in love with this handsome stranger and all the tales of his life on the sea So there is a theory that there was no devil, but merely a mysterious guest that stole Lady Anne's heart and wished to marry her. Now, in this version of the story, Charles refuses the man and sends him away, only to later learn that Anne is pregnant with his child. Now, this would be such a disgrace to the Tottenham name. I mean, they they were planning for a visit from Queen Victoria, after all, mm-hmm. a, a visit that would never happen. So Charles would lock her away in the room and forbid anyone to speak about it. When the child was born, they would take it and kill it, concealing their humiliation and pushing Anne into deep depression and eventual madness over the loss of her lover and her child. So. So we've taken a little step further. That seems more plausible, don't you think? Oh, sure. I mean, that, you know, I mean, we're we're talking again. We're talking about the 1600s. So so things like this weren't completely outlandish. Um, and I mean, Charles married his cousin for crying out loud. It was it was just kind of what you did. And saving face for something like this was a big deal then. Oh yeah, and and you know the. The family was was really hoping to, you know, get the hall ready for a visit from Queen Victoria. Th- this would have absolutely shut that down. Right. You know, such, you know, it would have brought shame on their family. Um, but I mean, like I said, if I told you this story without talking about Loftus Hall, it probably wouldn't surprise you. I mean, you could probably find other stories with a similar background, you know. Mm-hmm. Of a family, you know, feeling disgraced over someone else's indiscretions or whatever. I mean, it's 1600. 
you know, that stuff happens, you know, all the time now. And, you know, we, we don't, we don't think about it, but back then, not the same. So it would just be another one of those legends, but during reserve, uh, can't talk <laughs> during the renovations in 18 set in the 1870s, the skeletal remains of an infant were found inside the walls of the tapestry room. Now, some people speculate that these remains may give more credence to this particular version of the tale. It's also interesting to note that paranormal activity activity reportedly increased after the remains were found. Orbs became more prevalent as well as sightings of apparitions. So you, you find an infant skeleton buried in the walls of the room that's supposedly the most haunted room in Loftus Hall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just kind of says, oh, 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 well, yep. maybe, maybe there's more to that story than what we thought originally. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, the story of Anne is, is so unique with everything from, you know, the, the idea that the devil had visited her, um, that she had discovered him and he, he bolted out in a fireball through the roof to her going mad in that room, having to be buried uh, in in that weird fetal position to to finding the the skeletal remains of a child inside the walls of that room i mean it just everything seems to revolve around Anne. right now this is a this is a curious thing even after death Anne's grave is located not that far from the hall in a cemetery in wexford but unlike any of the other graves around hers Anne's is cemented over as though whoever buried her made it made sure that she could never be dug up or maybe that she would stay buried. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it's that wasn't a common practice. Um, and, and, it, and it obviously wasn't something that they did in that particular cemetery. So it is strange that her grave is the only grave like that right and you know it may not have been common in that cemetery but it wasn't uncommon for that time period for them to worry about you know a body coming back and them doing something to prevent that right either you know stones or a grate or something put over the gravesite. And and not just them coming back, but grave robbing was absolutely mm-hmm. a thing to be concerned with. And oh, sure, any any noble person or a, a family member of a noble person to a grave robber may have been buried with with valuables. You know, mm-hmm. give giving them some reason to go and and dig them up. Um, but it is it is curious, and it does. And it, and it does kind of uh, feed into the legend and the tale of of uh, Lady Anne continuing to haunt Loftus Hall. Now, many people believe that that Anne's spirit still sits by the window, and some claim that they've actually seen her there in that in that rolled up position. Uh, and some even believe that the devil did indeed return to torment her, causing poltergeist activity in the hall including banging doors in the middle of the night, moving furniture, locked windows and doors opening, 
and mysterious foul smells that appear suddenly and then disappear. Hmm. So all of those things coincide with poltergeist-like like activity. Sure. And yeah. so, you know, a, a lot of the believers feel like that this was this was the devil himself causing these kind of disturbances. Now, this activity is what prompted the exorcism by Father Thomas Broders, which may or may not have been successful. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, if, if, if you look back on history, it probably wasn't all that successful. <laughs> Um, but it was it was curious that once they were done and they realized, OK, crap's still going on. The solution that they came up with was to demolish the building. Yeah. And then rebuild right there. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to hey, tear you, this you, place down, but we're going to put something right back in the same spot. Yeah. You did nothing <laughs> there. Good job. You just yeah. created a whole lot of work and a whole lot of expense for nothing. <laughs> that sounds like a, that's a terrible idea. I can't, I can't just imagine somebody standing there and they're, they're explaining, this is what we're going to do. And they're just looking mm-hmm. at whatever they're going. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm this, not so sure I want to be a part of this. Right. Oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> oh, we're getting paid in gold. Uh, okay. Still a terrible yeah. idea. <laughs> I'm going to do it, but know that I was against it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to file a grievance with the union. <laughs> now, when the hall, when the hall was purchased by the sisters of Providence and turned into a coven in 1917, these events continued. And some say that people were afraid to attend mass in the hall due to the dark history behind it. I mean, you're going to attend mass in a place that the devil supposedly visited. I mean, come on. Right. Um, but the building was sold after two nuns, mysteriously died on the stairs right in the spot where a cross was etched into the floor. And the cross is still visible today. Yep. Now, as Adam mentioned in 1983, Loftus Hall was purchased by Michael Devereaux and his wife, Kitty, and was reopened as the Loftus Hall Hotel. Now, interesting, after Michael's death, Kitty tried her best to keep it up and running but reportedly left the hall abruptly, leaving all of her belongings behind and moving out of the country. Now, eventually, when she was asked why she left so suddenly, her response was, the house told me to. That's wild. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you remember that thing, Poltergeist? Get Mm -hmm. out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah, see ya. (laughs) <laughs> if the house tells me to leave, I'm That's, leaving. I'm done. I, I'm not sticking around. If the house don't want me here, I'm peace. right. Peace. I'm out. So <laughs> that's that's what uh, that's what apparently uh, Kitty Devereaux said. Now, today, as I said earlier, Loftus Hall is open for tours. Now, there are daytime tours, which are more family focused. And there are night tours, which go into more of the dark history and the hauntings that occur there and and therefore adults only. Now, the visitors report report a, an entire host of experiences. Disembodied children's voices? Yeesh. Yeah, phantom cries and the sound of ghostly horses ha- have all been reported uh by people visiting the hall. Uh sudden temperature drops, feelings of foreboding and flickering lights have been witnessed as well. So there's obviously some stuff that's still going on there. 
Now, a lot of stuff happening. By the group I mentioned before, the Irish Ghostbusters, they are actually called the IGH or the Irish Ghost Hunters. Uh, they had a lockdown hunt and they've had several. Um, they revealed that members of the public that were there with them were being pushed and pulled and others had an overwhelming feeling of nausea. Now, they said they heard growls, children's voices, and saw numerous unexplained shadows. Now, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, if, if, I, if I pay to take a tour or do a little ghost hunt and I see this stuff going on, I got my money's worth. I'll be honest Amen, with you. Amen, brother. You're going to get Amen. a good Yelp review from me. <laughs> right. Now, a lot of people have claimed that um, there's a lot of use of actors and that this may all be just put on or um, people are really hyping up something that is not really all that exciting in and of itself. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes on there that just, you know, is not just explained. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, the owners would be above really pushing the, the paranormal aspect to get visitors there. But, um, you know, this, this would be just absolutely a hundred percent falsifying it, which I, with the history behind this and with what we know about haunted places in Ireland, I just don't see the, you know, the people of Ireland and people that would travel there going, okay, you can't, you can't keep doing this. You know, right. you, you, we right. can't just have this quote unquote haunted attraction with this crazy legend. I just, I don't see that, you know, there's too many, no. too many haunted places in Ireland and this, this sure sounds like it's one of them. It doesn't sound like it's just, uh, we, we're just going to pick up this place and run a little tourist show up here and make a bunch of noises and use a bunch of sound effects and cast a bunch of shadows to try to scare people and convince them this place is haunted. You know, I don't, I don't really think that's the case. Um, no, there's been too, we've too seen many people have, have been there and said, yeah, I got pretty freaked out. Yeah. Well, we've seen people in places use that history to draw people in. But if you're doing something like, creating the hauntings and using actors and all that, you'll be found out pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, that's not something you can keep up for a long time and not be found out. So I, I don't believe that that's what's going on there. Yeah. Nor do I. And understand when I'm saying this, I'm not speculating this. This is what I'm reading on actual travel advisor reviews. Mm -hmm. This is what other people that have visited there are saying. But again, in the exact same vein, they're saying the exact opposite. They're saying that they're, they were terrified. They're saying that they went there and these were the things that they experienced. And honestly, there's, there's many more reviews that, that say that than say this is a total scam and, you know, everything. Right. But those are out there. Oh, interesting enough, male guests, male guests have reported feeling icy fingers along their neck while taking the tour. That would freak me out. Yeah. I have icy fingers against my neck. That uh-huh. would freak me out. Yeah, it would freak me out too. But um, in August 2014, we can't talk about this place without talking about this. A tourist named Thomas Beavis shot a, a, a picture, and when he went back and was looking back, 
in his photos, he saw what appears to be a ghostly female figure on the grounds. Now, Thomas was 21 when he took this photo and he was taking the tour. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't until he had left the grounds that he noticed the figure. Now, the, the belief is, is that this is the spirit of Lady Anne. And you can see the face of an old lady in the window. Now, if you want to go look at this photo, go to your computer and type Loftus Hall. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, this is the most famous thing about Loftus Hall. Between that and the legend, everything you see will reference this photo at some mm-hmm. point in time. I mean, this photo went 100% viral. And I've looked at it a lot. And you know how I feel about photographic evidence. You know, I'm like, well, you know, photos can be doctored and messed with and everything. Sure. If it's undoctored, it is a really cool photo. I'm not saying that this is indeed a photo of a ghost, but it's a really cool photo that depicts something that you could say, yeah, it might be a ghost. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, of course, with any photo, everybody's going to be coming after it saying, oh, "Oh, no, you know, it's filters or it was trick of the camera or it's heck, it's just photoshopped. But go and check out the photo. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, and like I said, it's not hard to find. I mean, you know, it's it's out there. You just, all you got to do is look, and bam, it's going right. to be the first thing that comes up in your face. Um, another interesting fact about Loftus Hall is um, the 2017 horror movie The Lodgers was actually filmed on location at Loftus Hall. Seems like a, another terrible idea to film a horror movie <laughs> at a place that may or may not be haunted. Right. They, they did it. And uh, uh, this is, I think, I can't remember. I think this is an Italian horror movie. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm, yeah. I remember it, watching, I watched the trailer right. for it. I was kind of like, I don't, I don't remember what country it's from. It's, it's not, it's not an American horror movie, but it looked creepy as hell. So I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Foreign yeah. horror movies always seem to be just a tad bit scarier than the ones we have here. Right. Well, and like you said, it adds a little bit to it being in a legitimately haunted or, you know, quote, legitimately haunted uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Loftus Hall, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a pretty unique place. It It has a lot of history behind it. Not bloody, deadly, dangerous, horrible history like a lot of the places that uh, Adam and I have talked about in the past, but it does come with a very interesting legend um, Mm -hmm. that may or may not be just nothing but folklore. Um, But either way, uh, it is a pretty, pretty interesting place. One thing I did read, Adam, you may have you may have found this is that. They have repaired this hole in the ceiling mm-hmm. that yep. the, the devil supposedly shot through multiple times and yep. that for some weird reason, it just would not stay repaired. And yeah. now the, the story is, is that even today, 
that part of the ceiling still you it's not exactly right you yeah. know there's something that's different about it so you know that's another interesting thing um but you know bad contractors <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's like that guy said look i told you this was a bad idea to rebuild yeah, right. this place right on top of it where we were yeah but nonetheless what what do you guys think i mean you know, I, I'm sure if you're listening to our show, you've probably heard other people's shows on Loftus Hall, and you may or may not have an opinion. Um, and, you know, we've got plenty of listeners, um, you know, across the pond that have possibly been there and may or may not had an experience. So so if you have, if you know someone who has, let us know. We would love to love to hear about it. And, you know, it's great when we get uh, we get listeners that post photos in our Facebook group who who have or visit places that we have talked about on the show. Yeah, and, that's and that incredible. Happens, that happens a lot. You know, we'll get people that say, hey, guess where I'm going or guess where I am? And it's a place that Adam and I have discussed on the show. It's yeah, I love you know, it, that. It's really great. So we appreciate that. And we we encourage you to keep doing that. Um, so if any of you have been or plan on going to Loftus Hall or maybe maybe you hadn't even considered it, but you are now. Uh, I know my sister messaged me uh, today and said, uh, so when's the road trip to the Lizzie Borden house? Yeah, right. <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like a plan. Let's, let's make that happen. Um, you know, let us know. Um, so go uh, go. As I mentioned, go check out our Facebook group. You can uh, you can search Graveyard Tales uh, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we ask everybody to please go and check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can find uh, images and uh, more history about Adam and myself. You can find links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And thank you to everyone who has uh, donated their hard-earned money to the show. We we appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And uh, we put it right back into the show to keep making better content for you guys. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. I am burping like a son of a (laughs) Taco Bell. Taco Bell before the show. Yeah, love it. Married his cousin. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it should be Kentucky and not Ireland, you know. Yeah, no. <clears throat> yeah, but, you know, six, <laughs> 1600s, you know. Stuff, right. Stuff happened, you know. Yeah, it does. You gotta, I gotta have that, somebody. Well, and that that was a, a, a big thing for carrying on lineage. Yeah. And it was just weird, you know. You know. Why go down the street when you can go down the hall? Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Woo, I may cut that out. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you may have to cut that out. Yeah, probably. We'll put it at the bloopers at the end.